Hey guys, welcome to the historic first episode of College Basketball 365. I'm Patrick Dallahan here with my partner, Adam Hipsky. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention this podcast is brought to you by our website, It Means History. Uh, so a little, little background on us. Uh, obviously, as I said before, I'm Patrick. Uh, I don't really have a favorite college basketball teams. I follow a few teams like UConn and Villanova, and uh, my co-host Adam Hipsky is a die-hard Michigan fan. He's from Indiana, so a little bit of confusion there. Pretty big basketball rivalry, anyway. Let's get right into it. Uh, Adam, pretty terrible twelve hours for you. Yeah, no, definitely a rough twelve hours. Uh, for those who don't know and haven't been following college basketball whatsoever, uh. Michigan's had a pretty pretty awful past 12 hours. Uh, Josh Christopher, the 10th best player in the country, chose Arizona State over Michigan. Adam, I FaceTimed you when that decision was made. Uh, just Could you just tell the world your thoughts? Like, how you're uh, feeling? Yeah, I mean – it was kind of it was kind of down to Michigan and Arizona State for the past like I'd say Howard and through. Howard. Uh, yeah, Howard got cut a while ago though. Although <laughs> you said, although you continued to claim they were going to make a push eventually. They, well, they did make a push. They were trying, they, but uh, they made a push. He listed his final five, which consisted of Missouri, UCLA, Arizona State, Michigan, and then he added. USC into it late but uh you know Missouri and UCLA never really seemed like much of a factor and USC kind of once they kind of got into his recruitment late people thought that maybe he could uh stay in his home state of uh, California and go to USC but then as a uh, as it really got closer to his commitment date he uh you could just kind of tell us down to Michigan and Arizona State from everything you were hearing but uh all crystal balls were favoring Michigan I mean yeah you know, I would, <laughs> crystal ball predictions and they were all all Michigan no Arizona State whatsoever I know the lead expert for 24-7 didn't put it in a crystal ball which definitely made me nervous because you know those are the guys you usually want to trust the most so you know I didn't know what to expect I, as time went on I kind of felt like he was going to Arizona State uh, I mean you know earlier in the recruitment when uh, we were getting a lot of momentum because, I mean, John Beeline, when John Beeline was our coach, he wasn't even recruiting yeah. uh, Josh Christopher. But then Ron Howard, not came into his recruitment late, but Christopher was the first player Howard uh, offered once he uh, got the recruitment or got the coaching job. So he went yeah. right into recruiting Christopher, which I think played a big part in why uh, Christopher eventually, like, really considered us was because, you know, he knew how much of a priority he was to Michigan. But, you know – he decided to stay home or not stay home, but stay on the West well, coast. His brother goes sort of stay game, home because so. he's with his brother, even yeah, though his brother doesn't see the floor like at all. Yeah. I like I, 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 like my main question is like, why them? Like why Arizona state? Like they, they're just historically not that good. I mean like, yeah, like Bobby Hurley, like really good coach, pretty fun guy. Uh, I'm a fun guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think it really just ended because I think it really just came, kind of came down to staying close to home, kind of staying close to the West Coast instead of going uh, 
to Ann really cross country to Michigan where he's going. You know, when you're living in California and you're going from all the temperatures and all the weather conditions in California and then going to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Where yeah. The reason right now, I'm guessing that played a big part in that. So, yeah, I just I, – I think it, I think really just the main factor was closer to home and with his brother. And he, he definitely spent a lot more time on uh, campus at Arizona State just due to his brother probably went to a lot more games. And yeah. Was, was unable to get out to Ann Arbor as much just due to the fact it's further away. So, I think that's really just what it came down to Josh Christopher. But, but that's not even – that's not even – uh, the only uh, thing to go wrong. Yeah, the only Michigan the only basketball. terrible thing to happen to Michigan. We this was kind of in the works for like a while. Like this decision, Isaiah Todd like deciding to go pro. Like that that wasn't much of a surprise. Like he was really only going to stay if Josh Christopher committed to Michigan. Well, you heard a lot of rumors about like him going overseas and stuff, but then there were just so many signs where he just kept saying like no, I'm going to Michigan, I'm going to Michigan. Like, it was just a couple of nights ago he was on Instagram Live. And uh, he was with uh, – I forget, I forget who he was going live with, but he was going live with someone. And uh, they asked him where he was going to play basketball next season. He said Michigan. And then they just uh, carried on the conversation, just kept talking about, you know, how much they love Juwan Howard and love the culture he's building. But, uh, you know, there's rumors going around that maybe it was an academic issue and maybe he, his grades weren't uh, good enough to get into Michigan. And, you know, he just said – he just Well, said well I, don't, I don't think that grades weren't, wouldn't really play a factor when you're a five-star player and one of the best basketball players in the country. Like, I, I shouldn't know. at least. Oh, and, uh, what's it? Uh, 247 finally updated uh, his recruitment status saying that he's going pro. Yeah. I don't know where he's going overseas. He announced that he just announced he's going to go – pursue I, a professional career I, overseas and I wouldn't be surprised if you went for a LaMelo ball and a RJ Hunter I there's a lot of guys Hampton. in college RJ Hampton yeah. I always forget I always get him and RJ Hunter confused but um that's, like well they went and played I, in the NBL so I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if that happened that's what I was just yeah I was just kind of you saw RJ Hampton he came in he was a high five star last year and, you know, it was really down to overseas in Kansas from last season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, there, there were all sorts of, like, rumors flying about going overseas and stuff. I mean, he was a top five prospect. I mean, he was the fifth overall prospect in the 24-7 uh, rankings. And he decided to go play overseas in uh, New Zealand. And now he entered the draft after this season. So he he's uh, – who knows what the NBA draft has in store, but he's playing yeah. getting drafted and uh, I playing feel like getting drafted. This doing. whole coronation thing, this whole coronavirus thing, is going to affect the draft so much. Like, they're pretty much just yeah. going to be doing the draft purely based off of, like, ESPN mock drafts or NBA prospect ratings because, like, they're not going to be able to do workouts. Like, when you and I were texting earlier about Jeremiah Robinson Earl staying at Villanova, you're like, uh, maybe you should have at least, like, gone to see pro teams like gotten some like feedback to see like what he needs to do to improve his draft stock but like there's none of that now like it's 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 russian roulette like you're like if you're picking like six like in the draft like it's kind of like all bets are off because i feel like the top like three guys are like pretty much like you know solid like you yeah. like the rents are changeable 
it's just going to be different. You know, there's going to be no pre-draft workouts. There's going to be no interviews. There's going to be no combine. I mean, there still could be. I mean, we still could get into summer and let's say they pushed everything back a little bit and the draft mm-hmm. ends up being in August and September and maybe this whole thing settled down by then. I mean, there still could be combines, still could be pre-draft workouts and all that. But just right now, it's just really unknown. And people that are testing the waters, it's just going to be really different. Because even if they do test the waters, and let's say they, let's say they move, uh, move the NBA draft back and move the NBA season back, then call it that's you know then you're pushing up to college basketball season because I mean they're probably I don't know the exact first official date that college basketball teams are able to start their first practice but I know I mean teams are doing summer workouts and stuff and you know without being able to tell you know if you're going to return back to school or hire an agent into the NBA draft you don't really know that until unless you know I I read something that I was talking about like the NCAA AA was a was willing to work with the NBA on like moving their season back and you know there's so much stuff going on about like potential yeah, it's it's, it's like, just gonna be crazy each seasons college basketball NBA you know college football's in question you know everything's really in question right now well I've seen some stuff about moving college football into the summer which would be like kind kind of awesome I mean like if you think about it because you'd go well, the XFL isn't a thing anymore, I guess. But, like, if it was, you'd go college straight into the NFL season, straight into the XFL, then straight into college again. That would be awesome. I mean, like, just as a college sports fan, just as a sports fan in general, like, you get everything at the same time. But uh, recruitment, little uh, waiting on a decision from our guy Jalen Green. We're, he's probably going to go to Auburn. He's probably going to go to Auburn. I mean, like, that, that's pretty much a done deal, I feel like. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, all signs point from him going to Auburn. I mean, Memphis is still having like they're still in there, I guess. But I'd be really surprised if he goes to anywhere other than Auburn. Which you know, I mean, Auburn. Auburn has the seventh best recruiting class right now, and that's only going to go up if uh, they do end up signing Jalen Green. So I mean, they could put together a decent team next year. Yeah, they could. The Pac-12 next year is going to be so interesting, man. Like just with like Zaire Williams. Evan Mobley. Yeah, Josh Christopher. Yeah, Josh Christopher now. Like, um, I'm scrolling through some of the better recruits in the country. Uh, Marcus Bagley. Is there any relation to Marvin there? Yeah, that's his younger brother. Oh, shoot. Uh, I just – Yeah, I see. I didn't know that. Uh, So, what's it called? The Pac-12 is just going from a – I mean, Pac-12 is known for just being a, you know, a struggling conference. You know, I mean, no one – Yeah, like average – yeah, yeah. You never think of really like true contenders being in there. I mean, Oregon was definitely like on the verge of being a true contender this year. They, I mean, Peyton Pritchard is having a great season. So, I mean, Oregon, but Oregon's losing two, their two best players, and they're not going to be, the, I don't think Oregon's going to be same where they are, or where they were this year. Yeah. But then, you know, a bunch of newcomers. I mean, Zaire Williams, Josh Christopher, Evan Mobley. I mean, the Pac 12 is going to be a decent conference next year. Which, you know, it just kind of stinks because Pac-12 games. I mean, Daisha, I even forgot about Daisha Nix, who 15th overall, and he's going to UCLA. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of good good stars playing in the Pac-12 next year, which, you know, we had Lonzo a couple of years ago. I mean, we, we've seen stars in the Pac-12, but it's just really not the same. You know, we had Isaiah Stewart this year, this past year. 
Yeah. But is you know the Pac-12 is just never known for being, you know, Washington. Except, except if you're Bill Walton. Yeah. Conference of Champions, champions. baby. But like the I I, like what what kind of stinks is that we're both on Eastern Time. The Pac-12 games are at like yeah, eight yeah, o'clock Western Time, so it's gonna be like eleven for us. Like I'm not gonna stay up to watch UCLA beat like Utah by like thirty. Yeah, I think there's gonna be a lot more exposure though. I think game day yeah. will go there, and I think I think there'll be a lot more primetime games. The other problem is the Pac-12 network, man. I I don't I personally don't have the Pac-12 network. I feel like a lot of people don't have, I, like. Well, I hear I mean, a lot of. Do you have? Just, I, I I don't have ESPN Plus, and I don't think you need Pac-12 Network for ESPN Plus, do you? No, those two. No, those aren't correlated. But Pac-12 yeah. Network, like, I don't know. It's just. Do you have Big Ten? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I have Big Ten, SEC, ACC. I don't I, have ACC. I have all of them except uh, Pac-12. Pac-12. Pac-12 Network. I think that's like the only. Like I have like. Uh, I know I have Big Ten. I I think we have SEC and we have Pac-12. Like I don't know why. Yeah. yeah like there's um, sometimes there's some football games are on or some basketball games. I'll flip on like a UCLA basketball game or like. Yeah, and Pac-12. I mean, Pac-12 does have some exclusive games and stuff. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you've got you know a Stanford USC game that maybe doesn't get shown on ESPN, but gets shown on the Pac-12 network, and they don't get the full exposure. But I still think that there will be a lot of uh, – I still think there's going to be a lot of, you know, they'll get a lot of looks at uh, – the Pac-12 will get a lot more, you know, TV and ratings and stuff like that. Probably attendance will go up. Yeah, hopefully. I know, I know, like, I, I would hope so. Like, if I'm, like – you know, if I'm an ASU, like, I'm already – if I'm ASU, like, I already have, like, one of the best fan sections in sports just because of how crazy the students are. But yeah. um, in college sports, at least. But, like, now they have, like, one of the best players, like, debatably the best player in the country at their school. Like, why wouldn't you, like, go to every game? Like, I feel like, like there are so many schools like that now, like, that just don't take advantage of seeing, like, this talent enough. Yeah. Like, like that, that, that annoys me, like, so much. Because UConn, like, still, like, sells out, like, a decent amount of their games, and they don't have guys, except for, like, James Booknight and, like, Jalen Adams from last year. Like, they don't have guys that are able to just go out and drop, like, 30. Like, like... Yeah, I mean, I know I know Tempe's excited for Josh Christopher. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't be. I mean, kids yeah. aside, he'll be really good. Ann Arbor would have exploded if they got Josh Christopher, yeah. just purely just based off Michigan Twitter. Like, it was hilarious to see them beforehand. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't want to see I, you suffer, but like, it was pretty funny. Like watching, the, watching everything blow up. Christopher and Todd, though. I mean, Michigan really goes, in my opinion, with Christopher and Todd, go from true Final Four contenders to really uh, Sweet Sixteen, maybe. I mean, assuming they return Isaiah Livers, assuming they t- they return Franz Wagner. Uh, you know. If they do return those two guys, I got a grad transfer from Columbia. He's a good scoring guard. But other than that, I mean, they've got – we've got four stars coming in, but it's just obviously there's a reason why Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd are top 15 players in the country. They're obviously huge difference makers. And, you know, we're just going to have to find that difference maker next year to be able to, you know. There aren't, cons- there aren't any other uh, – Big Ten teams inside the top ten, so like they're fine. 
Yeah, no, Michigan still has number one recruiting class in the Big Ten, which is Who's somewhat two? surprising. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. But yeah. Michigan always – Michigan under John Beeline, Illinois Illinois' 15th. They've got Adam Miller, who's a good force. Oh, right, right, opinion. right, 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 right. But John Beeline, completely different recruiter than Jawan Howard. You know, John Beeline would look for guys that are willing to just, you know – commit to the program for four years trust the development and you know maybe not play freshman sophomore year but get good minutes junior senior year and then go pro yeah which which nowadays i don't feel like is the best way to build a program i was like i was yeah i was thinking about this and i think there are two programs in the country that really run i think the most ideal program and those two are gonzaga and villanova I feel like mm-hmm. they don't have the typical one and dones and but they also get their players out before four years, and they yeah. produce pro players because experience pays. In come come March, I mean you can you can tell what teams you know. I mean Duke last year, by far the most talented team in college basketball. Yeah, but then you know they they, they ran into a, an aged Michigan State team. Yeah, Cassius Winston Jr., Xavier Tillman Jr., you know, Nick Ward Sr., you know what I mean? Like everyone. Yeah, like they had – I mean, obviously they had freshmen. I mean, Aaron Henry was a freshman playing the role last year. But, I mean, that's still, you know. Like if you look at the Villanova team from 2018 when they won it all, like Jalen Brunson Sr., uh, why am I afraid? Oh, Dante DiVincenzo, Redshirt Jr., was uh here was Omari Spellman there then? Yeah, Spellman, yeah. Pascal, uh, Booth. Uh, yeah, like Phil Booth, like Eric Pascal. Uh, like here, Gillespie, let's pull up. Let's pull up the roster. Like Omari Spellman. Gillespie was a freshman then. Yeah, Colin was, Gillespie was a freshman then, except he's returning for this year. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, like Dante I, DiVincenzo was a redshirt junior, but he was really a sophomore. Like Michael Bridges Jr., Jalen Brunson's junior, uh, Phil yeah, Booth. Yeah, junior. Bridges. yeah, Bridges was a stud. But, that, was. but that, that's just what I'm thinking. Like Kentucky and Duke. I mean, obviously Kentucky had a 38 no team, just you know 38 one, I guess, just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously having you know five stars are gonna be good. But I feel like you also need to balance that out with some experience or. You know, you're going to struggle come March. Not struggle, but, you know, you might not be able to get, make it all the way. Yeah, you won't be able, you won't be able to hang, I guess. You know, Virginia, I mean, Virginia develops players. I guess Virginia is a pretty good program, too, along with Gonzaga. And yeah, except, but. like, I feel like Villanova and Gonzaga have had, like, deeper runs into the tournament than Virginia has. I've Obviously, like, excluding last year, like, they hadn't really – done anything in the tournament since then they had the biggest loss in ncaa history biggest upset at least but um anywho speaking of successful programs uh coach cal john calipari trying to revive the iu kentucky rivalry yeah yeah i saw that with uh mark in a while you alum go hoosiers Hoosiers. yeah um yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, they used to be – I mean, Indiana-Kentucky used to be a really good rivalry in college basketball. And, uh, you know, obviously 
a, a moment that comes to mind is the Christian Watford shot uh, against at, at home when Kentucky was number one in the country. Dickie and, V. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, I mean, are you serious? Yeah, it was a good rivalry, which I don't, understand why they, I don't understand why they would bring it back. I think it kind of does good for uh, both sides. I think it – I think IU kind of needs that. Uh, well, they were like a, they 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 haven't had the exposure like in the past couple. Uh, years. No, they no, they really haven't. Like um, they were a bubble team this past year. Yeah. Like I felt uh, like they were close, but like they weren't. You know, like shoeing. Yeah. They weren't. I, no, I think they were probably going to grab the ten seed, but they had to do stuff towards the end of the season, which you know you never really want to be in those. Yeah. In that like, spot where you got to do work at the, you know, do work in your final week of the regular season. But you get like, yo, oh, you have to win these games and you have to win the Big Ten. And then you, like, you know, like they, they put themselves in a terrible situation at the end of the year. But, like, I think, like, what you were saying, like, it would be better, it would be great for both programs, but I feel like it would benefit IU more purely from the exposure standpoint because it would be a game on ESPN. Right, it would and be. I, yeah, I agree. I agree like, because uh, Kentucky's I mean, debatably the best college basketball program in the country, like NBAU. Like yeah, and it, and it, and it's something to bring, you know, IU because people people talk about IU being blue bloods, and you know they they definitely had a stretch there with Bob Knight where they were, but you know they haven't been back there in a while, and I yeah. think bringing this back, you know, back to. I feel like, you know, Christian Watford hit that shot in 2011, and then coming into 2012, 2013, that's when they got Victor Oladipo and Cody Zeller and started really turning into a good powerhouse. But, you know, now Tom Crean's gone. You know, they kind of started struggling. Archie Miller really hasn't done much at all. Yeah. And, you know, I just think, I just think, I think a win for IU against Kentucky could have a huge shift in recruiting, you know? Yeah, like – it's like one game can almost change like everything for a program. Like it's nuts. Yeah, because I mean, if you're Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo, and you're seeing like Christian Wofford hit that shot, and you have to commit the next year, you know, you're gonna want to play in front of those fans, and you're gonna want to be able to hit one of those shots against number one Kentucky. You know that? I mean, those are the kind of moments you want to play in. Yeah, like obviously, obviously, it helped Cody Zeller was. Went to high school in Indiana and stuff. I was re- recruited in state, but Mr. Basketball? Question mark. Uh, I believe so. Oh uh, wow! <laughs> I think he would. Uh, yeah, he was Mr. Basketball. Two thousand big shocker. State champ. Yeah, I know. I, Indiana's just known for producing uh, Mr. Basketballs that go to IU. Yeah, which you know they're they're all the. You know, I mean, the, they're the best players in the state, typically. Because there's a lot of voters that are, you know, known IU, you know, reporters or writers. And, you know, this year was Anthony Leal, who's a, you know, freshman. He'll be a freshman this upcoming year going to IU. But, you know, I mean, there's always going to be those talks about, you know, awards being rigged. But, I don't know, I think it'd be interesting. I'd like to see IU and Kentucky. I'd like to see that rivalry come back. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Kentucky, NBAU, uh, this is our last topic of the show, probably if nothing else comes up, uh, NBA draft declarations. So obviously some of the bigger names, the earliest guy to actually declare was James Wiseman. 
uh, forward and center from Memphis. Well, yeah, I mean, he just of Memphis, technically speaking. I mean, he played one game. Yeah, he just got out of there. And yeah. He, uh, well, the NCAA gave him the boot when, in actuality, it should have been Penny Hardaway getting in trouble. But yeah. Well, the NCAA is a a mess. Like it, it's a terrible, 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 terrible organization. But yeah. who do we think is gonna go in like the top of the draft or? Uh, I'd say Wiseman's obviously up there. Lamelo Ball is an interesting prospect. Yeah, you know, that you know he's a really good scorer, but will he be able to play defense? You know, in high school, you know that whole Chino Hills, you know everything that was going on there. You know, Lamelo yeah. didn't play, have to play that much defense. He just yeah, had to really score. Any. Yeah, I, which is I, why. I could go. Oh, you want to talk? I could talk. Well, yeah. No, yeah, you so, you're so in the middle of a sentence. I interrupted you, so you can go. So Lamelo. You know, I I would I know he couldn't go to college because the whole big ball brand thing. And he, if he could take his defense, you know, yeah. to the next level at a college program, you know. Yeah, right? I I just, be, I just feel like it'd be uh, players where New Zealand. I just think he's really good in the toughest competition. Same with R.J. Hampton. Same with Isaiah Todd. I don't really understand why they would go to. I get it. They're you know, well, older, bigger, stronger men, but they're not good at basketball. They're not even close to the level you're going to get in D1, you know, Power 5 college basketball. Well, I feel like that it helps your draft stock more by doing that because it makes you look – it makes you look like a more mature player coming out of it because, like, they may not be that good, but they're grown men. Like, they're physically more mature than those Division One basketball players. Like, some of these D1 prospects that you see coming in are skin and bones. Like, these guys are, like, men. Like, they're in their 30s. They're in their 20s. Like, they, these guys don't mess around. And they were yeah. at that. But like, many of them, like, played in the NBA. Like, you know, like, if you go over and play in, like, the CBL if you're, or if you go and play in, like, Lithuania or if you go and play in Italy, like, those guys, like, made it. Like, I do think that the only reason LaMelo Ball is projected so high is because he went and proved that he can play. Like, he can play at a really high level and he can do it consistently. Like, he was averaging, like, what, like 15 points a game, like eight assists a game as a 19-year-old playing against grown men, 19, 18-year-old kid. And I think that that's something you can't take for granted. Like, that's something that is – it's more valuable. Like, he's the best prospect in this draft. Well, I don't even really think he's a prospect because, like, I think he has the most potential. For he sure. has the most potential for sure, but like, he's already there. Like, he's already playing at a professional level. Like, he, he's just that like offensive wise. No one, yeah, knows, no one knows about no, his defense. Yeah, no one knows about his defense because he hasn't go, go had to go up against anybody elite. But like, another guy that I'm interested to see where he goes in the draft is Anthony Edwards, because like he yeah. is, like, some people have him going like three two some people even one and then there's other people that are like yeah i don't know and they'll throw him at like six or seven because like they don't like the way he developed this year like he there i was oh. watching uh i forget what game it was but i remember anthony edwards was taking like all these terrible shots like trying to shoot all these threes and he that's not him yeah he's not a like, shooter he's not a shooter he's an athletic guy that can get to the rack and you know he, he can he can play defense too but wait really i think I think people really want to see from Anthony Edwards this year was his ability to lead Georgia to, you know, a good season. And I don't think Georgia really had, you know, they, they didn't have a very good season. 
But then again, like nah. you gotta give him, you gotta give him like some weapons. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a roster. He didn't have much of a roster around him or anything. But, I mean, going 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC, I mean, I get it. I get it that that doesn't really show, you know, maybe if Anthony Edwards went to a Duke or Kentucky, you know, obviously they'd have a better record and stuff. But, you know, you still – you know, you see instances other places where, you know, a five-star can lead a team to, you know, a, yeah, like, uh, like even though John Morant wasn't a five star, like he carried Murray State last year, like he played like yeah. a five star. But I mean, I don't know. I just I think if Anthony Edwards had a much more successful season with Georgia, then he could have been the undoubtedly undoubtedly the number one overall pick. But now you know Georgia didn't have that good of a season. Lamelo Ball's kind of developing. James Wiseman. I don't. I don't know if him taking leaving Memphis helped or hurt his draft stock. I, I really don't know. I, I I feel like it would give him more of an opportunity to go do workouts and stuff with teams. Like it should. Yeah, probably like not doing anything. Probably. Like he was well, probably he working out with teams. I don't know. You can't work out with teams. Well, he wasn't an athlete. He wasn't an athlete anymore. He wasn't a student athlete. I know. Well, I know he worked out with. Uh, you can't work out with like NBA teams. We worked out with uh, like, like he was like uh, working training. out with like players and stuff, like NBA trainers. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I just don't know if that that helps because you know he really didn't play much competition because he kind of left, got out of Memphis early in the season before they really faced you know too much competition. Shout out UConn for beating them this year, by the way. Good for them, but like. You know, they should – if James Wiseman stayed, like, I think that Memphis is title talk. Memphis, like, was, such a, Memphis was such an interesting team this year because going into this year, you know, Penny Hardaway put together a good class. especially like the, the best Wiseman. class in the country. Yeah. And then, you know, Wiseman leaves. And never really turned into anything special. Well, I mean, like – Precious, Precious Achiwa, like, had a good year. Like, AAC freshman of the year, AAC player of the year. Like, it's not like he played – it's not like he had, like, a terrible year. Like, he, he did, and he, he'll, he'll go high in the draft. He'll go, like he'll, – he'll be a lottery pick. But, like, you know, like, that Memphis team could have been so much more than it was. Like, it was just disappointing. Yeah. Um, you- especially – they had so much hype going in the beginning. Of the year. Yeah. So- what are you saying? Where do you think Obi Toppin's going to go in the draft? Uh, I don't know, man. He's athletic. He can score. Uh, I didn't. Eh, I'd with say, as much, I, I didn't see enough. Like, like Obi Toppin's like a phenomenal player, like best player in the country, debatably. Like, even though he won, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't like obviously freakishly uh, talented. Yeah, Wooden Award and Naismith Player of the Year, which I feel like should have gotten Luka Garza, but still, Obi Toppin's still second best player in college basketball, which is impressive. Yeah, like yeah, I just I just think that I mean top ten. I don't see him stretching in the top five, especially with Edwards, Mellow Ball, James Wiseman. I mean, you could throw Luka Garza in there if if he goes to if he if. goes to he goes pro. Which, I don't you know, know why he wouldn't. That's a big, 
That's a big unknown right now. I saw something. I he declared, but he didn't sign an agent. I saw somewhere where he was gonna, you know, really consider uh, one, going back to what's it called, Iowa. One thing that one question mark that still remains for me as someone that follows Villanova basketball like pretty closely is Sadiq Bay. Yeah, because obviously, like a national player of the year candidate, like obviously not held in the same regard as Luka Garza, Obi Toppin, like Yudoka Azubuki, like those guys. But like, next tier was probably Sadiq Bay. Yeah, so like Sadiq Bay, Miles Powell, like those guys, like you know, like the Vernon Carey Jr. Vernon Carey Juniors. But I think that if Sadiq Bay stays, that Villanova is like. Like Final Four caliber for sure. Yeah, I mean because like they'll, you'd this Gillespie returning, Colin Gillespie, you'd have Sadiq Bay, you'd have Jeremiah Robinson. Experience pays. Yeah, know? they'd have um, uh, what's his face announced that he was staying. Uh, Jermaine Samuels. Yeah, like yeah, no, they'll there. definitely be good. But yeah, they'll definitely be good next year. Yeah, so uh, I do. I do have one more question. Yeah. What's your question? What were your thoughts on that? Wait, hold on. What did you say? What were your thoughts on that? I was Sorry, just talking about the NBA works challenge. Oh, my God. I love it. Did you uh, – I forgot. Mike Conley played against, like uh, – he played against a WNBA player, and he beat – it was like horse to H. Yeah. She, uh, <laughs> and uh, there was another WNBA player, Allie Quigley, and she knocked off Chris Paul. So it's like Chris Paul lost, and uh, it's like Allie Quigley, Mike Conley won, Did, Zach Levine beat Paul Pierce. Yeah, I was going to say, and, I would uh, hope Zach Levine would beat Paul Pierce with those horrible oh, shorts. Oh, and Tom Pete. Chauncey Billups beat uh, Trey Young, which was kind of surprising. I think, I, think the, I think the product has so much potential. Like, you know, I think the horse is a good idea. I think it could be entertaining, but I just think the way they carried it out, having, you know, players doing it like through FaceTime and not professional cameras and – windy and outside gyms you know it just didn't make for the best conditions but then you look at like mike conley mike conley had an indoor gym with like a decent camera and his product or you know his point of view from where he was you know filming his you know shots for the game oh yeah it was awesome was you know was so much better than trey young's you know trey young's was you know i mean it was just shaky you know it was breaking up, and you couldn't really hear. And yeah, I just feel like I feel like moving it indoors. You know, I know all NBA players don't have indoor home gyms, but you would think there'd be somewhere that you could probably get in and you know be able to get some shots up at least. You like, know, you don't need to be there with a bunch of people, but yeah, you know, I, you really only have like one or two other people that just did the filming, and I just yeah. I just think that the whole FaceTime and you know camera on the phone, using that on ESPN, you know. Like, I I didn't even realize, like, that Mike Conley made that much money to have an indoor hoop. But then I looked at his contract information. He is making bank. 
he is making yeah, so yeah. much money. Like he is so overpaid. Yeah, no, that's why. That's why he's when he signed the contract with uh, Memphis. Yeah, when he signed the contract with Memphis, everyone's talking about how overpaid he is. I mean, he's not a bad player. But no, he's not bad in any sense of the word. It's just that he's not worth all that money. No, yeah, no, definitely not. So, um, that's all the time we have for the uh, pilot episode of uh, college basketball three sixty five. Uh, we'll see you guys next episode, and uh, thank you for listening.